Welcome to Regenerative Medicine today. This is John Murphy, and it's my pleasure to be at the second annual symposium on regenerative rehabilitation. And our guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Gertner, who is professor and associate chairman of surgery at the Stanford Medical Center. Dr. Gertner, welcome to Regenerative Medicine today. Thank you for having me. So I had the pleasure of listening to your presentation here at the symposium which deals with scar mitigation. Now, perhaps you can share with our audience a brief synopsis of your interest in some of the fascinating outcomes that you've realized to date. Sure. So this is a problem that actually grasped me very early on in my clinical career, the problem of scar formation following burns, but any kind of cutaneous injury, and obviously is of huge importance to patients and to doctors also. And I had the experience of, the fortunate experience of working at the Boston Shriners Hospital, which was affiliated with Harvard Medical School and took care of many burned children. And they had unlimited resources at the Shriners Hospital. But the observation that I had was that we weren't really impacting the scar formation. The, the kids tended to turn out relatively disfigured, and there wasn't a lot we could do surgically or even with technology that, that could impact that. So that really was the genesis of my interest in, frankly, in science. And when we went into the laboratory, I started investigating that as kind of the focus of my laboratory to understand how fibrosis and scar formation occurs in humans. So I heard you talk about several different areas. One that seems to be the most mature is a technique that you and your colleagues have developed to affect what I'll call surgical incisions with a strain release technique. Can you do a brief synopsis of that, please? This really, again, sprung out of you know an observation that most surgeons have that scars or incisions that are closed under high tension heal poorly. They heal with very wide, red, raised scars. And many of us try home-brewed solutions with tape or other techniques to try to minimize the mechanical forces. But what typically happens is that all those techniques cause blistering, probably because you're inducing too much compressive strain. And so we, we decided several years ago to try to come up with a way to precisely modulate the mechanical environment of a healing incision using an elastomer that adheres and then shrinks and lets you really meter out the amount of compressive strain that you impose on the wound in a way that's not really possible with home-brewed solutions. As I recall from your presentation, you have developed a uh, contractible bandage, for lack of a better term, or contractible dressing that actually unloads the tension on the incision. Yes, it's, it's a very simple device and it adheres and then contracts. And what that does is create an area beneath the dressing that is really protected from mechanical forces. So from movement, walking around, coughing, the mechanical forces are actually transmitted through the bandage and they don't impact the wound itself. One of the interesting things is the patients, we've done about 200 patients in four clinical trials, the interesting thing is the patients find the dressing to relieve the acute pain that typically occurs following an incision, such as a cesarean section or a laparotomy, where with every cough or movement, there typically is pain with this mechanical bracing. You actually mitigate some of that. 
So this seems to have reached some level of maturity. When will this be available for other physicians to use? So right now we're looking for partners to help us commercialize it. It's been FDA cleared, and so it's approved for human use. Actually, we have patients, typically because I've written extensively on the topic of SCAR, they email me and ask for the dressing, and so we we obviously are selling it at cost to those patients. And we're just currently trying to find a partner that can help us distribute the dressing more broadly. Well, perhaps uh, one of our listeners can uh, provide that connection. (laughs) That would be great. I also understood you to say that the orientation of an incision affects the amount of scarring. Is that correct? Yes, that's been known since the early 19th century. A doctor in France, Dr. Langer, described a topographic map of the human body where different incisions or different lines of mechanical force where if the incisions were placed parallel to those lines, the scars would heal much better than if they were placed perpendicular. And it's been taught to surgeons for probably 150, 200 years now and is part of surgical dogma. And really, those lines that Dr. Langer described were really lines of minimal mechanical force. So this, I gather, was in part the genesis of your dressing technology, recognizing that particular fact. I went into this when I was at NYU, assuming that you couldn't change the mechanical environment. And so we actually went in and created a mouse model by increasing mechanical forces on mice so that we potentially could screen pharmacologic or biologic therapeutics. When I moved to Stanford about five years ago, I actually was speaking with some engineers, and they said, well, I bet if we did this or that or the other thing, we could actually change the mechanical environment. And the dressing we have now is about the 40th iteration of it, but I think now we actually have a device that can modulate the mechanical forces, and so that really was the credit for that goes to the Stanford engineers more so than myself. It's quite a novel outcome. So I also heard you speak about inflammatory responses and its effect on scarring. Can you uh, share a little of insight in that, please? Sure. Inflammation has been well connected with fibrosis and scar formation, and much of the world's literature talks about how inflammation increases inflammatory mediators and leads to fibrosis and scar formation. One of the questions that always puzzled me was, We never really talk about what causes that initial inflammatory insult or why some patients have inflammation and other patients don't. And what we found in our preclinical models was that mechanical forces, at least in fibroblasts, can directly stimulate the release of inflammatory mediators that home in and bring in inflammatory cells. So one of the early precipitants of inflammation is probably mechanical stimulation. So how does a physician deal with inflammatory responses in terms of minimizing scarring? Well, right now, steroids are one of the mainstays of antifibrotic treatment, and those are are kind of a blunt instrument that certainly decrease inflammation, but they also cause many side effects in all sorts of different areas of the human body. And that's probably the most common anti-inflammatory that is used. Uh, There obviously are are monoclonal antibodies that have been described and are used for autoimmune diseases and rheumatoid arthritis. Those are very specialized, but 
you know, most of us use steroids for anti-inflammation. I think, you know, our work has really shown that potentially using a much more benign intervention, which is decreasing the mechanical stimulation, might have a direct anti-inflammatory effect. Whether or not it would be the whole kettle of fish, I don't know, but it certainly, by minimizing mechanical stimulation, you minimize downstream inflammation. So we started this discussion talking about scars from incisions, but certainly another predominant issue in scarring is burns. How do these experiences and studies that you have done or have underway relate to burn scarring? Well, the device that we have developed, uh, unfortunately, won't really work for burn scars because it requires normal skin to essentially offload the mechanical forces too. So we're working on a biomolecular approach. We've shown that one of the key bottlenecks for mechanosensory pathways that lead to inflammation and fibrosis is a molecule called focal adhesion kinase, and that by either removing that molecule genetically or blocking it pharmacologically, we can have much of the same effect that we have with the device. And so we're pursuing pharmacologic strategies for burn patients. Unfortunately, those obviously take many more years to get into the clinic, but the fact that we've seen such dramatic results with our device approach makes us feel comfortable that the investment in time and resources will be worth it. So what's the ability with using any of these techniques or technologies to deal with the existing scars? That's a very good question. And so we are just in the very early stages of asking a very simple clinical question, which is, does this dressing have any impact? Because you clearly are changing the mechanical environment on existing scars. And so we have, again, lots of patients contacting us, and, and we're an FDA-approved device. We're doing these, these trials with patients that have volunteered, and it's too early really to say whether or not there's much of an impact on existing scars. Certainly, one of the things where we, we think we would have an impact is that I think we enable surgical scar revision, which is essentially techniques to excise and reclose scars that people aren't happy with. Surgeons typically don't do those procedures because we're not impacting the, the underlying biology of the scar, and so at a year, the scar tends to look the same. But with this device, we think that, and we've shown, we have a clinical trial, that you actually can get a much more favorable result with scar revisions. Very interesting. So, Dr. Gertner, I, I know from other interviews, and I heard you speak about the experience of fetal wound healing, and particularly in the first and second trimester, that uh, a fetus exhibits some phenomenal wound healing and scar revision capabilities. Why isn't that applicable for the rest of us? We really don't know, and that's been the subject of probably 30 years' worth of work now. The initial observation in the 80s was that in the early days of fetal surgery, when they were operating on human fetuses in the first two trimesters of surgery, that when they were born, there were absolutely no visible scars. And so Michael Harrison and Bob Diegelman and Mike Longacre have really spent the last 30 years cataloging all the different ways that fetal environment is different from the adult environment in the hopes of, of finding the one silver bullet that would be effective and let us leverage the capacity for scarless healing. We took a little different approach. We, we actually looked far upstream and asked 
you know, what were the things that were in the mechanical and physical environment different? And there certainly are differences in oxygen tension, but one that popped out was, again, the mechanical environment. And so for us, it fit with the direction we were already going, but I think was another piece of evidence that mechanics really does determine how organisms heal and ultimately whether they have tissue regeneration or scar formation. So I have heard recently of continued fetal surgeries for certain types of uh, anomalies, the spina bifida being one of them, recognizing the capabilities of fetal wound healing. Yes, I think fetal surgery is here to stay. Certainly there have been very promising results in spina bifida for early intervention, and I think where it will all evolve to and where it is the standard of care, I think, remains open questions, but I I think it's a field that is going to stick around. So Dr. Gertner, I thank you for sharing with us your accomplishments and your vision in terms of these important matters. We will post Dr. Gertner's webpage on the podcast website, and I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors this podcast series. I encourage our listeners to forward suggestions in terms of topics. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. Until we meet again with another interesting interview, thank you for listening.